2: One of us decided to brave the elements and come in today to put together a best of Garage Logic. All kidding aside, of course. Joe out today with an emergency... Procedure? Question mark? Uh, having some emergency dental work done. He'll be back tomorrow. He he wanted to brave it and come in, but we thought a slurring Joe would be good for nobody. In any event, uh, Reavers here in the Garage Logic Podcast Studios. And the last time I put together a best of, there was a bunch of people that weighed in about, hey, you should do this, hey, you should do that. And I thought, all right, I'll take all of that under advisement, of course. So, without any further ado, uh, kind of symbolic because this episode happened to be the 500th. Podcast episode way back when, uh, when we started to do the show back in September of 2018, Joe started to obviously number the episodes, and we're coming up on our 1,000th podcast episode with the celebration in Hopkins next Tuesday night. So here is our 500th episode of the Garage Logic Podcast, and of course, it features then none other than the former governor of the state of Minnesota jesse ventura i hope you enjoy the best of garage logic
1: fratelloni's ace hardware and garden stores brings you garage logic podcast number 500 i know you were expecting me to say number 499 but we've had controversy that will be explored or explained later in the show november 16th (laughs) 2020 68 degrees was the high on this day and that occurred in 1953 and it was two below in 1933 and now From the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic, with Rookie on Production, Chris Reivers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. We are joined by former Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura. Hi Jesse. Hi Joe how are ya? you want me to call you Jesse or governor uh, call me governor. I'll call you governor. How, <laughs> how frequently in the last four years and particularly maybe in the last year, have you been sought out for your commentary about what's taking place in the United States?
3: Surprisingly, not a lot, Joe, because I kind of am totally boycotting United States media and have been for some time. Okay. And the reason for that is because I, I was involved in a lawsuit a few years ago, a defamation lawsuit and an unjust enrichment lawsuit, and won the case, the American sniper case, won in front of a jury, won in front of a judge, and it went to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals where i find it to be corrupt i find it to be horrible uh they broke two of their major rules to overturn my case and take it away from the jury. And part of the reason was, at that point of the trial, 32 major media conglomerates of the United States came into the case okay. to have it overturned. This
1: is the Chris Kyle case that you've settled, by the way. It's over, right?
3: Right. Well, I was more or less forced to settle mm-hmm. <laughs> after they returned it for a second trial. But, and imagine this for a moment, Joe. How overwhelming must the evidence have been for the jury to find for me against the dead war hero, his widow, and six of his buddies in uniform trying to convince the jury that the event happened when it didn't. Mm-hmm. And yet the jury found for me.
1: And, and the settlement, as I understand it, because... You don't want to be painted as a, as a bad guy. The settlement, as I understand it, did not come from Chris Kyle's widow.
3: Oh, not at all. No. She was in no danger ever. Right. Uh, that when he died, it, it the, the legal system then automatically passed it to her. I got you. You know, that's where it goes. She was in no danger. The book company and their insurance were paying the freight for all of her uh, lawyers, the expense, everything. And so basically it was me against the insurance companies, but here's where the glitch came. I won a second thing called unjust enrichment, which Mm -hmm. is a Minnesota law, and what that means is that you can't go out and commit a wrongdoing and profit from it. Mm -hmm. It would be like, Joe, let's say you and I, we got both clean records, and we went out and robbed the bank, right? (coughs) Right. Yep. Okay, we get away with a million dollars, but we're a couple lunkheads. We have no experience. We get caught.
1: How much would you get of on
3: the 1000000 <laughs> so, hold on now. Now, we, we then go, go to jail. Right. Okay? Hypothetically, we're good criminals. We watch it, you know, we're good. We get prob- probation after three years. Okay. Well, what the court then ruled is that we could then go get our money. Really? Yeah. Oh. That if you, if you spent a year, couple years in jail, you could keep the money you stole. All right. Huh. Because what the media had to do here was unjust enrichment. This was catapulting to fake news. Mm-hmm. It opened the door for it or helped, yeah. because now they can lie about anybody, profit from it, and face no penalty for doing it financially.
1: Well, if you haven't been approached frequently, uh, I am anxious uh, to seek your counsel on exactly— well, let me finish. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't well, know you were— yeah. Yeah. I
3: have not also been approached—see, I work for RT now, Russian television. Right. And I've been there four years, and they pay me for my opinion. Okay. So I figure, hell, I'd rather go with the people that pay me than to work for the media who stuck it to me, and now I get to help their ratings and make them money— the hell with them! I'm not going to make them any money anymore, so I'm not talking to them. And I don't anything that I say I do through RT.
1: But it's Russian. It's, so what? It's the Rusk. It's the Ruski's, Jesse.
3: Well, let me put it to you this way, Joe. All right. Uh, they're about the best company I've ever worked for. Really? Yeah. They uh, They when I signed with them, they give me. They give me three months vacation paid January, February, and March to go to my home in Mexico. Right. Uh, so, uh, who gets three months vacation? Not me. <laughs> That's right. Joe only gets two and a half. Governor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, though, they they also um, during the course when I signed with them, they offered me full health care. Okay. And I declined it because I had it through the Screen Actors Guild, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to create trouble because if you get two carriers they're going to fight with each other right so i i i did not t- declined it well part way through i'm in mexico i get a letter from my 30-year re- union, that a member for 30 years vested mm-hmm. they pulled and took my health care from me because i wasn't working in the industry out in la mm-hmm. so i lost my health care now my wife and i gotta face something here what do we do Then it hit me, wait a minute, RT offered me health care. I called them up. I told them the situation. Uh, My 30-year union just dumped me. I don't have my health care. Would there be a chance? Could I reconsider and get it? The Russian lady goes, Governor, I'll get back to you in about 10 days. I said, thank you. She never did. In six days, Blue Cross Blue Shield cards arrived for my wife and I. Really? Yeah. So the Russians had no problem with giving me my health insurance. They also built a studio right in my basement. Mm-hmm. So, so during the pandemic, it doesn't affect me work a bit because all I do is walk downstairs and hit three switches.
1: Have you ever been to Russia? Yep. You have?
3: I went over. They flew me over there before I signed. I went to this 10th anniversary It was of RT. It was the infamous one they all talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see who Gorbachev was there Putin was the keynote speaker Um, uh, uh, Jill Stein was there various other people I didn't see if General Flynn was there or not I didn't notice him I met Gorbachev that night here's an interesting note that took place too during my entire trial federal Mm -hmm. the federal judges and everything they wrote they never once referred to me as governor I was called Ventura
4: Mm mm-hmm
3: yet when when i went to russia vladimir putin walked all the way across the room to me came over introduced himself Mm -hmm. held out his hand he said thank you governor i said you're welcome mr president he said i want to assure you i will never interfere in your show in any way shape or form you have complete artistic control i said thank you and for four years now he's been a man of his word all right he has not interfered in my show I can say anything I want, and they've been wonderful.
1: How do people see this show in America?
3: Well, it's, it's, uh, the RT is the second largest in the world following only the BBC. Okay. It depends if your carrier has it. All right. Now, I get DirecTV, where yeah. I'm at, up here in White Bear. Yeah. And it's channel 321 on DirecTV. All I right. don't know what it is on other carriers. I know some carry it, some don't. Here's the other good part, Joe. You'll enjoy. We have to register as foreign agents. <laughs> <laughs> now, where where is our media on this? Mm-hmm. Where is our First Amendment outcry? Mm-hmm. That we have to read. I cannot. I cannot go on the floor of Congress because I work for RT. I'm offended over that. I'm a Navy Vietnam veteran. I'm a mayor. I'm a governor. I've paid taxes to this country my entire life, and I can't go on the floor of Congress because I work for RT?
1: I'm I'm unaware of that. I would think your American citizenship would trump that.
3: Well, the problem is this. You're unaware of it because our media won't talk about it because we're their rival, and they don't want us here Okay. because we do a better job than they do. You know how I can prove that? Hmm. Simple. I've interviewed for every media there is, national, local, whatever it might be. And they all got a little system, especially the national, NBC, CBS, you know, CNN and all them. Yeah. They do what's called a pre-interview, mm-hmm. where they call you earlier in the day and they get you to talk so that they can then adjust the interview accordingly. If they don't want you to talk about a certain thing, they know and they can steer away from it. All right. Well, we at RT... I can tell you, we have never, ever done a pre-interview.
1: We have never either on Garage Logic.
3: Yeah, well, I don't do them. I, I simply, Joe, I bring a guest on, I tell their credentials, I let the guest talk on the subject, and it's up to you, the listener. Decide if you believe the person or not.
1: You uh, take COVID very seriously. You and I are about the same age. You yep. take it very seriously. What? How would you have handled it if you were the president of the United States?
3: How would I handle yes, it? Yes, yes. Thank you. That's a good question. When it gets to those things, Joe, I go back to my military experience. All right. And in the military, you learn one thing, something our current president is unaware of. And that because he didn't serve. You know, he's a draft dodger. Right. Anyway, um, you learn that you have to do things sometimes that you don't particularly agree with. Mm-hmm. And you learn you have to do things that maybe you don't like. All right. But you still do them. It's required. You do them. You grit your teeth and get the job done. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, this country should have—they were on the right. went first of all, they shouldn't have been lied to. Right. When Trump found out in January how deadly this thing was, it, uh, let me put it to you this way, Joe: If Donald Trump would have been the commanding officer of my underwater demolition team,
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh, he would have been relieved of his command he would never command again he would probably face a court-martial in portsmouth naval prison this is the commander-in-chief of our military now Mm -hmm. he lied to the troops he covered it up and he did it for his own personal gain and put the people or his troops in danger for his own personal gain if you did that as a commanding officer they they would take your command so fast your head would spin You'd be court-martialed and go to prison.
1: So, for starters, you would have been out front with the American public.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. You cannot take—you have to tell the truth, tell them what they need to do, and then, of course, they need to respond, and that's why I'm disappointed in the American people today. Mm -hmm. Because of the fact that my mom and dad were both World War II veterans, and not many people can say their mom was. right. My mom served in North Africa before Normandy. Right. And then the people truly had to, had to, had to suffer, and they had to, they had to they had rationing. They had, they, the people truly had to give up
4: things. Right.
3: All we're being asked to do is wear a lousy mask right. and distance yourself. My mom spent her entire adult working life wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. She was the head nurse in surgery at North Memorial Hospital, right? Right. Well, I mean, come on. If masks don't work, why do they wear them in surgery right. and are they required? Right. To stop germs. Simple. And yet we as a people have these phony baloney patriots, they call themselves, who sit out there and say, I'm not going to wear a mask. Well, we have speed limits, we have other rules you have to follow, and your liberty stops the moment you infringe upon mine.
1: What do you think of the divide in this country?
3: It's horrifying. Could you solve it? Uh, I could have if I'd have been elected president.
1: How would you have solved it?
3: Simple, just get elected. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. No, no, I'll tell you why, Joe. You already saw the blueprint in Minnesota. Right. Yeah. Okay, here's what would happen. I told people this. I said, this is what would happen. They, meaning the Dems and Repubs, the two gangs, they need a common enemy. Okay, in Minnesota, when I won in 98, same situation almost. I had a Democratic Senate and a Republican House. Mm-hmm. Whomever, I decide, whomever I aligned with generally prevailed. Mm-hmm. That worked until the third year. Then in the third year, they got in bed together. Mm-hmm. They started singing Kumbaya. I mm-hmm. submitted the budget, which the governor has to do. They threw my budget out. They came back with their own budget. I looked at it. My key person, Pam Wheelock, their budget was uh, horrible. It was a bad budget. Uh, it, didn't, it was bad. I vetoed it. They overrode my veto. They passed it over my head a second time. I vetoed it again. That's all I could do. And then they passed it. Well, I fooled them. I didn't run for re-election, so I didn't have to work under their budget. I left them with it. What happened in Minnesota after I left? You faced a $5 billion deficit, didn't you?
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, and that's the result of the Democrats and Republicans putting their parties before the people.
1: Do you regret not running for a second term? Do you regret not running for a second term as you look back?
3: Oh, yes and no. Yeah. Uh, My only yes would be I always wanted to get unicameral, one house. Yep. And I couldn't succeed in doing that in one term. I don't know if I could have a second term succeeded or not because it's a big thing to do. You know, get rid of the Senate. Basically,
1: as governor, you were, uh, if not the lead man, you were extremely influential in bringing light rail to the Twin Cities. Yep. Do you regret that?
3: Not a bit. All right. Not a bit, and I'll tell you why. All right. Why I did it? I went to Denver, and I saw Denver so far in front of us, it's laughable. Mm -hmm. And when I went there, uh, okay, uh, economically, if you if businesses are going to come to the city of minneapolis say Mm -hmm. first thing the business is going to say is okay uh where do our workers park Mm -hmm. well yes in my day now maybe it's changed today but let's go back to 2000 uh we would have had to answer nowhere we're full Mm -hmm. because all the parking in minneapolis was full Mm -hmm. you couldn't get another car down there what's the second business thing the business is going to say well How's the mass transit? Mm -hmm. Well, we don't have any. Really? Well, then how do my people get to work? If there's no parking and there's no mass transit, what do they take, cabs? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I looked at this. You cannot be a thriving metropolis in America without some form of mass transit. And Minneapolis-St. Paul was woefully behind. We had nothing because the mistake they made was done way back when I was a little kid. We used to have trolley cars that went all over this city. Right. And, they, and the gas industry and the car industry got us to tore them up, throw them out, and did you know our trolley cars are still running in New Jersey? Yeah. Yeah. I
1: I had heard there are also some in Mexico.
3: Maybe, I don't know, but uh, it was a shame. And and, and so my belief was, how can you be a thriving metropolitan area and not have some form of mass transit? Like New York has its subways, Chicago has its big trains that run all through town. Well, we at least needed something.
1: But it's not thriving, sir. Uh, It's not paying for itself. It's not being ridden. Really? Right.
3: Well you know uh what do you do about that
1: uh clean up crime in the cities i think
3: well i don't know that that you know I, all i can tell you is that without it you have no parking spaces in downtown minneapolis and you do you know and i think it serves itself well to the dome and to all of the sports stadiums it keeps drunk drivers off the road okay you know hopefully okay and and hopefully it'll build up and do better. See the thing is you have to have an entire system to where you could get from say Lake Minnetonka to Stillwater for the afternoon and not drive your car.
1: And Jesse, that's the way it used to be with the streetcars. Those yeah. were those were the exact destinations, Minnetonka to Stillwater.
3: There you go. Yeah. See that that's the mistake that was made, Joe, was way back when. And then of course, I should get you going now. You know, I'm I'm getting rid of my entire uh Basically, my entire cylinder index.
1: No. Oh, no. Oh, oh, yeah,
3: I'm going oh, to Tesla's.
1: No. You're going to what?
3: I'm, I'm I'm selling my Porsches. You want them?
1: Oh, I'd certainly like to talk to you about it. <laughs>
3: because, uh, I'm, I'm going to Tesla's.
1: You are, huh?
3: Oh, absolutely. It's there the Tesla
1: Roadster cannot be beaten. Kenny Olson would love to ask you a question, sir.
0: Governor, you touched on something briefly, and Joe changed the subject. You brought up loyalty to the party as opposed to loyalty to the people, which I kind of believe is part of the problem that we're at such odds with each other right now. How do we change the fact that the Dems and the Republicans are loyal to the party and not to us? What do we do to change that?
3: Well, you have to Stop electing them, which is virtually yeah. almost impossible because they've created a system that benefits only themselves.
4: That's right. Uh, you
3: know, it's a two-party. Uh, Ralph Nader had it right when he called it the two-party dictatorship. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's right on with that. And see, the whole system is set up to keep any third entity out of the game. Are you familiar what happened in the 90s with Ross Perot?
4: Sure. Well, yeah.
3: it's an interesting story, because Perot got one out of five votes in 92. Mm. Then in 96, he wasn't even allowed to debate. Why? Mm. Because Clinton and Dole cut a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dole didn't want Perot in the debates, because Perot eroded from his conservative base. Clinton didn't want debates at all, because he was so far ahead, he didn't need them. And so they cut him down to two debates. They were held by design on the same night as the World Series, and that was the deal that was cut, and Perot was then eliminated from debating. Can you imagine? You get one out of five votes in America the previous election, and no one's allowed to hear you four years later.
0: It's amazing.
3: And see, that's what's got to happen. We, we have to, we have to uh, take our, our government back from these two parties. Hey, I believe it was John Adams stated, one of our founding fathers, he said when political parties take over the country, that'll be the end of the country.
1: Yeah. Are you, have you been satisfied with the Trump presidency?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Don't hold back, Governor, don't hold back. Tell me, I want to know
1: what you think. That's why we're talking today.
3: You know, he had an opportunity to do some great things, and he accomplished a few, Mm -hmm. but his first big mistake, and maybe it wasn't a mistake because he won, and I can't deny the fact that he won the 16th election. He just did it differently than I would have. Mm -hmm. He did it by becoming a far-right evangelical Republican, Mm -hmm. which he's not. That's the biggest laughable joke I've ever seen watching him stand there with him. Let me put it to you this way. How do you think the Republicans would have reacted if Barack Obama had been married three times and had kids from three different wives?
1: Well, I I think it would have been outrage.
3: Exactly. And yet, yeah. the, and yet the evangelical right totally embraces Trump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I mean, what hypocrisy is that? Yeah,
4: it's, it's... And so
3: when he joined the far right, that's when he really lost me. Mm-hmm. And then what really put him over the edge with me, where I had no time for him anymore, I didn't agree with the guy on everything, but when he trashed John McCain, Yep. Yeah. because John McCain was a POW who spent a great deal of time in the Hanoi Hilton.
1: That had to be hard on you to hear him say that.
3: Oh, I'll tell you, when he did that, I thought you, a draft dodger, and let me tell you something, a little story here. Every guy that served in the military as an enlisted man can relate this same story. Doesn't matter if you're Marine, Navy, Army, whatever. You uh, know, The first night of boot camp, You'll go to boot camp the first night, mm-hmm. and one guy there in the middle of the night will go crazy, mm-hmm. schizophrenic, wet the bed, cry for his mom, go nuts. In the middle of the night, the authorities will come in and remove him. While you're in boot camp, out of sight, out of mind, that's the last you see or hear of that person. You don't know what becomes of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I, can, I think I can confidently say That person would have been Donald Trump,
4: (laughs) who would wet the bed,
3: cry for his mom, and do everything else to get out of going. uh, And what what he did to John McCain, I'll never forgive him for. And then when he comes out and calls us Vietnam guys suckers, Mm -hmm. well, you know, we didn't have rich fathers. He's your typical rich white boy who didn't have to go. You know, there's only one rich white boy I know that went. You know who that was? Kerry? Huh? Kerry? No, went went in the military and went to Vietnam. McCain? No, rich white boy. Uh, Oliver Stone.
1: Oliver. Well, I, I also mentioned John Kerry. Oh, yeah. Wasn't he a rich white guy?
3: Oh, I don't know. Yeah. But my personal is Oliver Stone. Right. Uh, because you know that the... Uh, In Platoon, the Charlie Sheen character is Oliver Stone.
0: Okay. Oh, I didn't know that.
3: I I learned that from his son, Sean, because I said to Sean, I worked with Sean, and I asked Sean one day, I said, Sean, I said, when your dad did Platoon, I said, the the Charlie Sheen character, I said, that was him, wasn't it? And Sean kind of looked around, looked at me and nodded and said, yeah. So the Sheen character is, because remember when he's there and he he, he quit the big Ivy League school, joined the infantry go to Vietnam, and the black actor goes, man, we got us here a crusader. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that I do scene? remember that. Well, we team. got here as a crusader.
3: <laughs> I'll always laugh over that scene. But, uh, no, and, you know, Trump was a rich white boy. Mm-hmm. Rich white boys didn't go to Vietnam. I grew up in South Minneapolis, where if you could manage to go to college, it did. But if you had to go to work, guess where you ended up? Mm-hmm. Vietnam. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I've got, I've got those scars with, that I carry with me. And when I hear someone like Donald Trump insult people who have more guts than he would ever have, and, and, it, and it bothers me every time I see him salute as the commander-in-chief, mm-hmm. and I don't know how these people run around with the flag. And then he comes out and says he's the most patriotic American yeah. He comes out and set, and he wants his face up on Mount Rushmore. Right.
1: What do you think of Joe Biden?
3: Oh, uh, I don't much. <laughs> <laughs> Try uh, I think, in a way, maybe we needed Joe because he's level-headed and he's the exact opposite of Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that, but. To me personally we needed it someone independent, but they made sure this was the year to do it, but they made sure you couldn't. The Green Party blew it with me, you know. hmm uh-huh. I went to them and said, if you'll give me a clear path to your nomination, I'll run. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. They did a preliminary poll, Fox News. It was unbelievable. They put Trump, Biden and me up there and I pulled eighteen percent, not even running. Hmm. And, and, and in a three-person race, Joe, I can tell you I only need 20 more, but then, of course, you got to work in the Electoral College, which throws it all out of whack.
1: What do you think of the direction the Democratic Party is taking? Is it any different than the direction the Republican Party is taking? In other words, are we going to the extremes on both sides?
3: We're on certain things, but then on other things, they're right singing kumbaya like they always do together. Like if it's time to go to war in the Middle East... Mm-hmm. They got no problems with that, singing Kumbaya and both getting... See, they're all controlled by their uh, corporate donors. Mm-hmm. And and the, the corporations are the ones that dictate where the Democrats and Republicans are headed.
1: What do you think of the so-called squad? Ilhan Omar, uh, Anya Presley, uh, Alexandria Occasional Cortex, and uh, Tashib, Reli, Re, whatever name is. I, what do
3: I think of them? Yeah. They were elected by their constituents and their Congresswomen in the United States and deserve the full respect. It's okay. that simple. All right. They're, they're, they were Hey, Omar wins huge.
1: I know she does, yes. Jesus,
3: and those are her people. That's who she represents. Right. They want her. Give her her due.
1: You have a better attitude about it than I do. Well, <laughs> well yeah. It's
3: I, I it's don't same know, here. To me, you, it always Joe goes back to the people. Yeah. If, and, and she she and I, hey, I thought that one guy, that soft-spoken black guy
5: might take her.
1: Uh, Lacey Johnson.
5: No, 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 the guy in the Democratic uh, primary.
1: Oh, okay, his name's escaping oh, me. Oh, uh,
5: yeah, I can see his face. Yeah, yeah
3: because, he, he, boy, he had money. Mm-hmm. Jeez, he was running an ad every 10 minutes, damn near, it seemed like and she blasted him right out. And So obviously she is extremely popular with her constituents, and that's, isn't that what she's supposed to be?
1: Uh, I can't argue with that fact, <laughs>
0: yes.
3: Well, you obviously don't live in her district. No, I do not. And you
0: probably I, I, wouldn't move there. Kenny Olsen does. I, I do, Governor. I, I, actually, I live really close to Roosevelt, uh, Governor, and i, I got to feel like of? I'm not— I, Roosevelt. Yeah, she she represents that district down there in South Minneapolis, and I don't feel like I'm represented at all, not at all, sir.
4: Well, then move.
0: Yeah, actually, the house is on the market. <laughs> Jesse, uh, you were thinking of I Antoine Melton Mew? There you go. Yeah,
3: yeah, there you go. I mean, he had those ads, and I thought, gee, he's a soft-spoken, very intelligent man, and maybe because she's so controversial, he'll beat her. And shoot, she blew him out of the water, and then. She took care of the other guys, so it's clear that uh, her constituents like her. And as far as the other three throughout the country, what's the matter with getting their opinion? All right. What do you—where do you— Joe, we're supposed to be the melting pot of the world. Right. We're supposed to be the place where everybody comes to and survives, and we are the epitome. I've already come out and said we ought to take down the Statue of Liberty and put it in a damn museum. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't follow the thing on it. Yeah. We don't want your poor no more. We don't want your downtrodden. We only want your rich people Mm -hmm. and them that have jobs.
1: Where do you stand on Trump's refusal to concede?
3: It's ridiculous. All right. It's utterly ridiculous. He's harming the country, he's playing into the hands of of anybody that wishes ill to this country because if you can get the people of this country to not believe their elections which i think i think it's an insult to all those people out there that defied the covid virus busted their asses and counted those votes democrats and republicans they were all watched even trump's main guy in Homeland security said this was possibly the most secure election we've had in this century, mm-hmm. and for him to pull the crap he's pulling now because he can't face he lost right it's it's, it's you know what type of what type of example and i course i guess to his followers they think he's wonderful
1: yes, they do yes you
3: uh, know well
1: seventy two yeah. million people voted for the man
3: I know yeah. That's what causes me to take a deep breath and go, boy, I didn't realize there were 72 million. Hang on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Watch yourself, buddy.
0: Watch yourself, buddy. (laughs) Tread tread lightly.
3: (laughs) You know, I'm not running again, so I don't have to please nobody.
0: That's true. (laughs) Then let them have it, Governor. I'm
3: I'm not running. I, I laugh when I went to Wheelock Whitney's funeral. Yeah. Uh, Arnie Carlson, Governor Carlson was there, he got up, he said one of the funniest lines I've ever heard out of him, and unfortunately it was at Wheelock's funeral. He said, everybody tells me run, Arnie, run. He goes, hell, I can barely walk.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, speaking of that, Governor, when uh, when, uh, Trump did win the election back in 2016, I believe it was Joe or somebody on the show said that you running in 98 laid the groundwork for him being elected in 2016.
3: Well, we didn't necessarily lay the groundwork for him, but uh, we did. We did a little because uh, he came and met with me. Oh, he did! Oh, God, yes! Oh. I'm forever getting pictures sent to me that I refuse to sign.
4: Okay. Oh, he and interesting. Him standing
3: together. Mm-hmm. No, he oh. flew in here to meet with me, and the big thing he took from me, that you'll all know, and this is what he took from me when I ran for governor of Minnesota. I didn't do fundraisers. I didn't give a crap about the money. All right. I had name recognition as long as... I, I won the government... I only raised $300,000, Joe. Really? Yeah. Huh. And, and, the, and that year, the Dems and Repubs spent t- combined $12 million mm-hmm. to beat me, and uh-huh. I won. So I raised three hundred grand, and I told my people, I said, look... I don't want to do fundraisers. I hate them. I dislike them. My my mom and dad raised me. You get paid for work done. You don't come up to people and say, give me money so I can go do this job.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, but I realize it's a necessary evil. You have to do ads and you have to do all that stuff. But today it's evolved into jobs. These Every one of these campaigns are nothing but job things mm-hmm. where people get paid. It's, it's all the transfer of money. Anyway, that aside, uh, I... I When I ran, raising uh, $300,000, I went out and I told them, book every college in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And they told me, are you crazy? They said, college kids don't vote. I said, they've never had a chance to vote for Jesse the Body. <laughs> I, said, are you kidding me? I said, if you book me at the college, they'll be hanging from the rafters and those kids are gonna vote. So they did it. Yeah, they did. I went well, to governor... all the colleges and it was just like I thought. Kids I went to Carleton, I went to the exclusive schools here. Went to all kids hanging from the rafters. Couldn't you know. Then they came to me and said, Look, you can't coach football on Friday night. We need you to campaign. And I said, Baloney. I said, I coach in the toughest league in the state, which we were at the time. Mm -hmm. We drew 8,000 people to 10,000 people to every game every night. I said, if you can put me in front of 8,000 people every Friday night, then I won't coach. He said, well, we can't do that. I said, then get out of here. I'm coaching. (laughs) I'm in front of 8,000 people every Friday night. You know when I knew I was going to win the election? When? When? When we were playing, I was at Champlin Park, and we were playing our arch rival Coon Rapids, right across the river in their stadium. Right. We go over there to play them, their arch rival, Coon Rapids, Champlin, and on the other side of the field, the Coon Rapids side, they unreeled the banner. Mm-hmm. Said, "Go Jesse, go!" <laughs>
4: really <laughs> nice.
3: And I stood there a minute and thought, now they're a rival. Yeah. And if if they took time to make a banner, I'm going to win this thing. But anyway, getting back to Trump and all that, what I did, I went to rallies. Mm -hmm. I went to things where people gathered. And I'll tell you this, if they show up at a rally, they're voting for you. Right. 'Cause they ain't gonna take time to go there. Well he it certainly seized ya. he
1: certainly seized on the rally idea. Oh
3: yes. Yeah. And that's the big thing he stole from me was the rallies. I didn't raise money. I, I held rallies and we did that on the college campuses. And you won't remember because it's not near and dear to you, but I have it framed downstairs the enemy newspaper. Yeah. And it says Ventura wins the day after the election mm-hmm. and right underneath it in the subheadline Wrongs of young voters turn out.
1: Yes, they did. That's I what I was gonna so ask. proud yeah.
3: because number one, I was right, which always makes you proud. Yep. <laughs> and number two, <laughs> that I that I inspired the young people to get out there and become players. And that I will and, give, that... and that I will give Trump credit for. This last election, because of him, It inspired more people to vote than in the history of this country. Mm -hmm. And he deserves a kudos for that. Mm -hmm. The only thing is he did it because he was so shitty.
0: Governor, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you have a record number of voter registrations on the day of the election? Didn't we see a huge spike that day, or in registration?
3: You mean, way back in '98.
0: Yes. When yeah. They, what, yeah. When you ran, we had
3: same day registration, and what what we heard that day, when we realized we were going to win or felt we could, was that word came us that the same day registration, which Minnesota has the lines to registrate were longer than the voting lines.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was yeah. a
3: key for us. We thought they're not coming out to vote for a Dem or a Repub. They're coming out to vote for something different. And sure enough, we were right, because they predicted a 50% voter turnout because it was non-presidential. Go- well, I was polling 27% the day of the election. It turned nice. out to be a 60% voter turnout, and I wow. went from 27 to 37 there was 10% out there that they did not account for that came out and voted for me.
2: Governor, it's Reavers. I was a sophomore at Mankato State University, and I remember when you came through town and it was there was buzz, but three of my buddies and I got in my car and drove back to our hometown of Faribault just to place a vote, and there was a buzz that day on campus. So you were right about the the, the college towns oh, for sure. You. No,
3: I knew it would. I knew. I ju- my message to the kids was, you complain a lot, but they're not going to listen unless you become a player. Mm-hmm. You've got to take an active role in electing them to their jobs. Then they will pay attention to you. If you're not an active player in them getting a job, they're going to ignore you from now to till you're old.
1: Did you always have an, anta- an, antagon- an antagonistic view of the media? Does that stem from your wrestling days?
3: Uh could have. Yeah, that's very perceptive of you, Joe. It could have because, you know, in my day in pro wrestling, we used to live under a a common term, and that was there is no bad publicity. Mm
4: -hmm. Right.
3: As long as they're talking, you don't care whether it's good or bad as long as they're talking.
1: But you seem to assume that the press was against you the moment you got elected.
3: Because they were. Okay. That the press is in the pocket of the two parties. Yeah, You know, they don't like any outside interference from any third entity or anything like that. And they, if they don't do it consciously, they do it subconsciously.
1: Why were you so hard on the city of St. Paul? It was funny, but you were hard on St. Paul. In what way? Oh, you said the streets were laid out by drunk Irishmen and stuff like that. (laughs) Well, that was funny.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, here's the reason why. That was David Letterman, right? And he set me up. And what could I do? Yeah. No, you got to remember, Joe. I'm from Minneapolis. (laughs) Right. So I'm a Minneapolis kid. Yep. Now in Minneapolis, (laughs) I grew up on 32nd Street and 46th Avenue. Mm -hmm. You know exactly if somebody's on 38th Street, that's six blocks away. Right, yep. You know, and it's it's that way. And then if it switches and goes to names, they're alphabetical. Right, yes. St. Paul... In my whole life, you could blindfold me, (laughs) take me over there, spin me around four times, take off the blindfold, and I wouldn't have a clue where I was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he's right, Suge.
3: Even after four years at the Capitol, I still didn't know where I was. So as a kid, you you didn't spend any
1: time in St.
3: Paul? The only time I spent in St. Paul, a, a friend of mine in the neighborhood... His father and mother were divorced, and his dad lived over in St. Paul, and there used to be an old store over there that sold the classic comic books. Okay. And we used to ride the Lake Street Selby bus to downtown St. Paul because we knew where this store was, and we would buy these classic comic books there because they had them all. And that was my only dealing with St. Paul, other than when the St. Paul kids would come to our side of the river and we'd fight with them. Yeah. (laughs) The reason that happened was because in my day, St. Paul was a bunch of greasers, and Minneapolis were the baldies. Okay, okay.
4: Yeah. <laughs> you know,
3: in Minneapolis, we were all shaving our heads,
4: yeah. and
3: in St. Paul, they all used cream.
4: Right. <laughs> a little dab
3: will do you. And they walked around with them pointed-toed shoes with the elastic on the side. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, you beat could... St. Paul. See, the, the thing that was unique then was the two cities were as different as night and day. Right. The kids were different. Everything was different between the two cities, and that was kind of neat. No I, way. I agree.
1: I wish we still had that rivalry.
3: Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, of course, the other rivalry, Joe, was, hell, St. Paul ain't beat us in a Twin City football game in, what, 18 years? Right. When I was there, uh, and we prevailed. How much of your... Roosevelt? We run undefeated. We played St. Paul Central in the Twin City title game and beat them 21-6 to 6 at the old brick house. And uh, they, they had a team, or uh, St. Paul Central, had Dave Winfield there. Yep.
5: You referenced um, football earlier in Champlin Park in 98. Wasn't that the year that Creighton um, out-recruited you guys?
3: No, that was the year we beat them down at the Dome.
5: Okay, that's where it was. All Creighton right. was
3: undefeated, and uh, they, had beaten, they had beaten Maple Grove on the way there, which Maple Grove was our second-place team yep. in our division. So I let it be known to Greg Gagne and Vern, and their their kid played for Creighton. Greg's kid. Yep. I said, "Well, you might have beat our second team, but you ain't gonna beat our first team." All right. <laughs> how much you uh, How much we you... went out and ended Creighton Durham Hall's undefeated season. <laughs> nice. Beat them
0: at nice. The
1: Did you have a great relationship with your mother and father? Um, I'd like to think so. Is your personality shaped by your upbringing, do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah?
3: Yeah, because I was a latchkey kid. What's that mean? Well, that means both your parents worked. Okay, yeah. So in the morning, I'd get get myself off to school. Right. And I'd get home before they'd get home. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they used to call that a latch key. Right, kid. right.
5: They put the put a, a little key on the rope, and that was your necklace.
3: Yeah. Well, I didn't have to do that. I I forget where we ke- we kept ours hidden. Some damn under a flower pot or something.
5: Under the carpet <laughs> where where George kept the money.
3: Yeah, where George kept the money, right?
1: Je- Jesse Rookie has told that story. I would really love to hear it from you. It's a very charming story. Well,
3: my dad, my mom, and dad both lived through the depression. Right. And. So my dad had kind of a uh, a feeling of not trusting banks mm-hmm. fully, and we <laughs> we had moved from South Minneapolis after I graduated up to uh, up to New Hope, uh-huh. close to North Memorial. So my mom was still working then, and uh, we moved into the house up there. And my dad, of course, would he was retired, he would spend all summer at the lake cabin, and my mom would go up on the weekends. Right. And so, but my mom liked that because when he was up there in the summer, she could do anything she wanted with the house in town. Right. And he wouldn't know. (laughs) She'd have it done before, and he'd never notice (laughs) anyway, probably. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes up to the lake, right? Yeah. (laughs) My mom had ordered, got all set up for new carpeting. So the old man's up at the lake and the new carpet guys come in and they lay in all the new carpet and the split level out in New Hope. And fortunately, they were honest carpet men. Yep. Because when they tore up in my my dad's TV room where he used to go watch TV all the time, he had slipped the carpet and I don't know if it was 10,000 bucks or something like that. I can't remember anymore, but it was in the thousands. He had had it in the envelopes, and he had slid it under the carpet.
1: Oh, my word.
3: <laughs> and that was his hiding place. Right. So these guys pull up the carpet, and there's, I don't know, eight 6000 bucks, whatever it was, and fortunately they were honest men because the guy walked down with it and handed it to my mom. Oh, boy. And he said, we found this under the carpet in, in the, the room right up there. Of course, my mom t- gets angry and hits it. That damn George, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> and so she's now going to uh, make him sweat.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> so she goes up to the lake that weekend, and I know about it. We all know. And she t- informs my dad, and his name was George. And I had a relationship. I called him George.
4: Yeah. Hmm.
3: You know, that's, and my friends did too. He was just, that's the way he liked it. Okay. And so. She tells George, she has ordered new carpet, and the new carpet men came in and put on all new carpet, and they're all over, da-da-da-da, bragging about it, right? <laughs> he's sitting there, right, and all of a sudden, you know, he's in a cold sweat. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what's there, and she ain't saying nothing about it. Yeah. Oh. So, he also, she makes him sit there all the way till right before dinner, right? Yeah. And when he's sitting down for dinner, she walks out from the bedroom with the envelopes, (laughs) flops them on the table and says, is this what you've been thinking about? (laughs) uh, Naturally, he had to admit he had. And then she proceeded to chew his ass
4: out. (laughs) and, And warned him to never do that again. he said, like she said, what if something happened to you? Yeah,
3: I wouldn't know, the kids wouldn't know, no one would know, that you had this money stored. Yeah. So, anyway, oh. that was the story, and it was pretty good. That
1: is a pretty good one. Yeah. That is a pretty good one. The
3: better one was the first time we got him to try pot.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, I got to hear this. I got to hear this. Well.
3: Where? I don't know if I dare tell it, Joe, it ain't legal here yet. Oh,
1: hell, you're all, it's well, a statute of limitations he, has run out.
0: You know what? I, it just so happens I want to hear your, um, your opinions on the legalization of well, marijuana. Do that first. first and okay.
3: foremost, uh, I've talked to Governor Welch about it. He wants to make me the point, man. I'm for complete legalization.
4: Mm-hmm. Why I'll is tell that? You why, Joe? Okay. okay. I'll
3: give you, tell you exactly why. Cannabis has changed and given me my life back. Really? Yep. Without it? My life would be gone right now.
1: In terms of a pain fighter, you mean?
3: No. And it ain't even me. But my life would be gone.
0: I see. Oh.
3: She had some health issues? She has given me permission to go public
0: Okay. because
3: of the reasoning. Uh, The First Lady developed a late...
1: Well, late what? You just broke up a moment.
3: Oh, because I'm getting another call through. Oh. It's beeping, so I'll, I'll, we'll keep on. She developed a late-in-life seizure condition. Oh, boy. She was seizing two to three times a week.
5: Holy shees!
3: And the, the, they, were, they were bad. Out of control, what can I do? Seizures, for those that don't know out there, you are so helpless when someone gets a seizure. Because mm-hmm. all you can do is comfort them and hope they don't swallow their tongue, hope they don't, something else doesn't happen, and, and all that. Well, she, we would go to the doctor, they put her on four different seizure medications, one after the other, after the other, after the other. None of them work. Bad side effects, started losing her hair. Mm-hmm. In desperation, we had friends from Baja, where I live in the winter, mm-hmm. who live in Colorado, We drove to Colorado. She had a seizure the night before in the motel. We get to Colorado. My friends go in. They got the cards at the time. They get the medicinal. At that time, three drops under the tongue. Terry started taking it. Three drops under the tongue twice a day. And has not had a seizure since. Oh,
1: wow. Fantastic.
3: Has not, let me repeat that, has not had a seizure since. Boy, oh, boy. Now, We come back to Minnesota. Minnesota then legalized it. We were getting it illegally, but I didn't give a damn. Right. You know, I was telling Terry, let's move to Colorado. Yeah. Let's get the hell out of (laughs) here. And uh, uh, so then Minnesota legalized medicinal. Oh, she can get it here now, but you want to know what the problem is? Hmm. We're so, we're so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh limited, that her, what she has to take costs me $800 a month.
4: Wow. Oh, my. You
3: can't write it off. Your your insurance won't pay for it because it's pot or cannabis. None of that. I could get the same thing in Colorado for $100 a month. Why don't you? Well, that's what I have to do. Well, because yeah. she wants to get it here in pill form and da-da-da-da, and she goes down there, and she's comfortable in what she's getting. All right yeah not right now i only I care more about her health
4: mm-hmm.
3: than the money, mm-hmm. but the point being, if we would open up like Colorado has, the prices would then drop way down, and people could get cured of sicknesses that this amazing plant can do. I spoke at the National Cannabis Convention two years ago. It's a, what, $40 billion industry waiting to happen?
4: Right. Mm -hmm.
3: And we're standing, I tried to legalize when I was governor, Mm -hmm. and we're standing on the shore watching the ship leave the harbor. We're on the dock and the ship's leaving. Mm -hmm. Did you hear about Illinois? Mm -hmm. Illinois legalized Mm -hmm. in these trying times, and in the month of July, $71 Seventy-one million dollars worth of cannabis in just the state of Illinois. Wow, seventy-one Jeez. million. It's keeping their economy up for cripe's sake. I mean, you're stuck in your house. What else can you do but smoke pot?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: why? Why you could live
1: anywhere you want in the world. Why have you remained in Minnesota? Terry. Okay. okay.
3: She has family. Yep. I don't. Right. And uh, I. I. Acquiesce, or what's the word? Acquiesce.
4: Acquiesce.
3: Whatever yeah. it is to right. her wishes.
4: Yep. Yeah.
3: You know, and that, that, you know, and she lets me get away to Mexico in the winter. Right. But, uh, but uh, that's the reason, really. I hate winter. I'm, I'm, I'm probably one of the few. Here's a good garage logician thing. <laughs> I'm probably one of the few born and raised Minnesotans that don't know how to skate.
1: Well, I know you oh, don't,
3: because I played with you,
1: uh, media oh. hockey, and you were so dreadful, we had to put the goalie equipment on you. <laughs>
3: no, 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 I didn't play goalie. Yeah, you did? Oh crap. What'd you play? I never played goalie. I used to get a hat trick. <laughs> no.
4: Yes, because, no. yes,
3: because they'd the rules for me. I didn't have to worry about offsides.
4: Okay, okay, <laughs> okay.
3: And there was another little thing we did. I carried my own puck if <laughs> so he well, that... went down to the other end I dropped the puck and going and scored <laughs> you know, I, I, swear, I swear we put goalie pads on you no in fact the greatest game I ever had oh. I was playing in the make wish game and I was teammates with a guy who had a huge run in and we were both laughing about it so hard in the locker room the great rough tough from slap shot Jack Carlson
4: oh yeah yep.
3: and I don't know if you know the story behind Jack and I. I don't. Well, I was doing wrestling in the AWA days with Vern. Right. And uh, In those days, uh, Vern would bring people on that he knew at the U and all that during interviews. And one day he brought on Lou Nanny. Mm -hmm. And Lou goes on and does this interview with Vern, and they're done, and I got the next interview. So I went out there, and I looked at that, and I said, oh, and before we get to wrestling, I said, let me send a message here to one Mr. Lou Nanny. I said, Nanny, anytime you want to find out how tough your tough guy is, Jack Carlson, I said, let him try me once, and we'll find out how tough Jack Carlson is. And and then I went on to the wrestling interview, because in those days, you could do him that way. It was great. Well, what happened was... They were play, they, at the time. They played at the old Met, right. the old Met in Bloomington. Yeah, Met Center. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Met Center. Yeah. Yep. Well, at the Met Center, the, they put up big banners up there. Ventura Carlson in the parking lot <laughs> <after> the game, <laughs> and, and they had all this schmaz going on. Through this, that Jack and I were going to fight, yeah. find out who was tougher. And when it came down years later, we're playing in the Make a Wish. We're on the same team. And so we're getting dressed in the locker room, and we started talking about it, and we're both laughing like hell at how the whole thing exploded in the media. And then I looked at Jack. I says, Jack, we're on the same team tonight. I don't even know how to skate, but let's set this up. Let's you and I fight tonight. Yeah, yeah. And we'll fight on the same team.
4: Yes, (laughs) yes. And so
3: Jack says, great. So we go out there, and the game gets going, and I get on the ice, and I'm— trying to stay upright, and it gets in the corner and jacks out there, and so we both bump into each other, and right away we drop the gloves, and we start throwing the forearms at each other and pulling the shirt off and all that stuff, and the announcer's going, oh, we knew it had to happen. It and they're the team. But they're on the
4: same team. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
3: And so, you know, Jack and I did the phony fight, and both of us got sent to the penalty box.
4: <laughs> oh,
1: I think that's ringing you know, a bell. I think I was there.
3: i got to tell you this. What a wonderful guy he was. Yeah. Or he is. Yeah. You know, I mean, total sense of humor on it. Went along with the program, just great. And it's a shame he was in the playoffs and not in Slapshot. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Governor, what's your relationship with Tim Walls? Very good. Do you you like the way he's handling the pandemic?
3: Yep. All right. And I'll tell you why I have a good relationship with him. All right. Um, After he won election, and I know how exciting it is
4: Mm -hmm. to win,
3: uh, 24 hours later, he called me personally and scheduled a a meeting with me. Mm -hmm. No other governor has ever done that. Hmm. Never. Interesting. Hmm. No other Dayton or Pawlenty never asked me about nothing. And Governor Walt set it up for the following Monday. I went to the Capitol. He and I sat in a room by ourselves for I would say close to two hours. And he, all he wanted to do was pick my brain.
1: Why do you think uh, so many people in the state uh, resist? his edicts, uh, they resist uh, keeping their gatherings small, they resist the mask wearing, they resist the social distancing. Why in the world has this had to become political? Because they're stupid.
4: Okay. Is that a good, quick okay. answer? Cool. Yes, it <laughs> is. It's right a, to
1: the point. <laughs> right could, to the point. I couldn't <laughs> come up with a better one myself.
3: <laughs> no, they are. Yeah. This is utter stupidity. Mm-hmm. The, uh, masks work. Like I said, my mom wore 140 hours a week. Right. And my argument to these people is, okay, the next time you have to go in for surgery, tell the doctors and nurses they don't have to wear masks. Right. They don't right do well. nothing. Right. See what kind of response you get, you know, from the doctors and nurses if you do that. No, it's called stupidity. And it's called turning something that shouldn't be political, that is a health issue, into politics. And we have only the guy in the White House to thank for it. Mm-hmm. Hey, it. ends; The buck stops with him.
1: As you look back on your life, are you proud of the fact that you were governor?
3: Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Oh, how would you not be? Yeah, <laughs> Joe, when I grew up in South Minneapolis... The last thing that would have ever passed my mind was that I would end up the governor of the state.
1: I can imagine that. It would never have crossed your mind.
3: Never. It, it, I fell into politics really by a, a mistake, really. It was just over an issue up in Brooklyn Park, right. a neighborhood issue. Mm-hmm. And when I saw how corrupt the actual politics were, I just felt the need that, to participate and do something about it.
5: Mm-hmm. Who was the Shrubgate? Who was that? Bob. Um, that was Bob Stromberg. Bob Stromberg. Yeah, Shrubgate. <laughs> what Shrubgate? He had the city cutting his own oh, shrubs, oh, oh. and that oh, was yeah, a... no.
3: I got a phone call from a constituent. <laughs> I'm mayor, and she says, um, "Why are the city crews over at Councilman Shru- uh, Shru- Stromberg's house d- doing his landscaping?" And I said, "Well, I didn't know they were." And they said, "You ought to take a drive by." So I jumped in my car, drove over. They even had a team out there with the signs.
4: <laughs> oh boy! <laughs>
3: you know, turn, go and stop. You know, <laughs> and, and, and they're, they're they're trimming his. You know, because he had a sweet deal with Denny Palm. They had a Parks and Recs, and so you know how they had to get around it. I took it public, and they then had to offer that service to everyone in the city of Brooklyn Park. Oh, boy.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
3: Otherwise, he was receiving something a regular citizen couldn't receive. You can lose your job for that. Yeah. As a city councilman or a mayor, you can't receive something that any other citizen can't receive. And he's sitting there getting the city of Brooklyn Park doing his yard work.
1: You know you're uh, considerably younger than Joe Biden, who will be seventy-eight uh, yeah. on inauguration. You are younger than Donald Trump. Yeah. Do you do you think that you have a run in you as president of this country? Left. Yes.
3: To be honest. Yes. Um. The only way it could, the, I could do it, but the only way I'd have enough to do it was the way I explained it to the Greens, if you'll give me a clear path to the nomination.
1: Meaning what? Explain to, that. Explain that.
3: Well, a clear path means I don't want to go through, like with the Green Party. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're fractured, and, they, and they're a party in disarray. And I would have had to fix them first, and
4: then mm-hmm.
1: take
3: on the Dems and Repubs. Yeah impossible
1: because what i will say about you and i've always said it no matter how much fun i've had with you this country i think is desperately hungry for someone who is real (laughs) and you you, you're real you're what what i'm hearing is what you get that's that's you yeah that's 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 a virtue in my estimation
3: difference between me and trump is Uh, what I tell the truth. Right. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, that will that will prove to be the difference between you and Biden as well.
3: <laughs> what you hear from of, you, man.
1: what you hear from you is real.
3: Well, it's the truth as I know it, Joe, and I, 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 I'm not above changing my mind. Right. You know, and by the way, did you know the story? I should tell you this. We got a few minutes yet, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, did you hear the story about what happened to my TV show?
1: Uh, no. Oh? oh,
3: you guys need to hear this one. Okay. I come out of office in '03, right? Right. I'm the hottest commodity out there. That's right. I'm the, I'm the voice of the independent, been successful. So MSNBC, CNN, and Fox get a bidding war for me. Mm-hmm. MSNBC wins. So I signed a three-year contract with them. Mm-hmm. This contract, Joe, is like a pro sports contract. Not as big as, you know, Peyton Manning. Right. But it was healthy. Yep. <laughs> so, so I signed a three-year deal with them. I'm supposed to be on Rachel Maddow's time slot. Right. Monday through Friday. I, I tell MSNBC, look, I want to do the show from Minnesota here. Yeah. They said, why? I said, because all we get from you are coast perspective. We need something from the Midwest.
5: Clever. Right. And I
3: said, right. my show's going to come from the Midwest, and I want a live audience so oh. that we get live people responding, you know, like Bill Maher, right. live audience. They're good with it. They send their people out. The whole show's being created. We're doing it over at Channel 2. Right. I provided, I think, 28 jobs to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. They're working on this show. People I didn't know, 28 jobs. We're about a, two weeks before going on the air, and we get a phone call. This is the spring of 03. Right. And here, I didn't get the call, but John Woodley did, who was working with me, had been my head of communications, but was, was now with me on the TV show. Woodley gets the call from headquarters of CNN, or not CNN, MSNBC. And you know what MSNBC stands for, don't you?
5: Uh, I'm afraid to ask. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid to.
3: Microsoft too. NBC. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's, it's a dual ownership between NBC and Microsoft, Bill Gates.
4: Okay. I didn't you know, know that's that. why
3: it's MSNBC.
4: All right. Microsoft
3: oh. NBC. So we get a call from the headquarters, Woodley does. Here's the call. And it's right before we're going to invade Iraq. We haven't done it yet. But the drums are beaten. And mm-hmm. I oppose the war. I opposed it from the start. We get the call. Is it true Governor Ventura doesn't support the invasion of Iraq? John Woodley goes, oh, yeah. He's a Vietnam veteran. He's vehemently opposed. He said, this is Vietnam all over again. Um, second question, is there any chance he changes mind? Ooh. <laughs> and, uh or, no, he opposes the war in Vietnam. Is there any chance he changes his mind? Was the next question. And Woodley goes on, I don't think so. He says, I've seen the governor change his mind when he becomes more educated on a subject. But he said, this is a war thing. He's a veteran, and he's, he said, I doubt it. He ain't going to change his mind. Well, guess what happened? They canned they you the, plug. They pulled the plug on the whole show. At the same time, they had just brought back Phil Donahue Mm -hmm. from daytime. Phil Donahue likewise opposed the invasion of Iraq. They pulled Phil Donahue, and he was their top-rated show. So they pulled their top-rated show. They wouldn't put me on because of the fact we opposed the invasion of Iraq. Mm -hmm. So tell me why I should trust mainstream media. No. when they're clearly under the control of the government, if they have the power to keep you off the air because of a political position you have.
1: What was in it for them to be so strongly in favor of the war in Iraq?
3: I don't know. Weekly updates,
1: ratings, were. advertising?
4: I think it's
3: because they get marching orders from the government, and they're all entwined together because our media promotes the government, right? whatever the
5: government decides to do.
3: Oh, please tell me money. you
1: got some money out of that deal. They, should, they just couldn't pull the. You had a contract.
5: Oh, I got it all. Okay. All the right. governor does not walk away empty handed. <laughs> right. I can guarantee you, it, know, it, uh, you uh, that. Rookie doesn't call me Midas for nothing. King Midas, <laughs> you're right. Anything this guy touches turns to gold. I'm glad you governor, remember that. It, no, Is no, there, no, there?
3: No, Joe, they, here's what happened to me I got silenced. Yep. From O three to O six. Yep. I had handcuffs on, I had tape over my mouth because my contract said I could not do any news shows and I could not do anything on cable or satellite TV. I'll be damned. They uh-huh. had me exclusively for three years. Right. They paid me every penny yep. for three years. And that's why you didn't hear from me till after O six. Okay. Because I was under a contract with them. And, and, okay, I, uh, when I went to Mexico, here's what happened. I went to Mexico on vacation when I got out of office. Sean Penn lined me up with a great thing down there. In four, I went and taught at Harvard.
1: Yep, I I'm remember a that. a
3: Harvard fellow.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: In 2005, I went back to Mexico again, traveled around, found the house I wanted and bought it. Guess who paid for it?
1: MSNBC.
3: Yes. (laughs) Now, it's time to teach you guys a little something about Mexican heritage or whatever. All right. Down there, homes are called casas. All right. And everybody has a named casa. Right. Well, I came within an eyelash of naming mine Casa MSNBC. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Because
4: they
3: bought my casa. <laughs> yep. Yes, they did. And he even gave me more money besides.
1: You don't yeah. have a silo full of tortilla chips, do you? A what? A silo full of tortilla chips? No. Have you ever heard the great, uh, have you ever heard Will Sasso do an impression of you? I don't know. Oh, my
5: God, Jesse. It's, he, it's he's funny. More, he's more like uh, like you than you are.
3: Well, yeah. that's great. You yeah. know, uh, that's flattery, is, uh, you know, that's the finest form of.
0: Governor, he should be writing you a check is what he should be doing.
3: I don't care. <laughs> okay. He can make a buck off doing my voice as long as he don't get me in trouble.
5: All right, everybody, let me talk to you turkey necks.
3: You know, no, I mean, as long as he don't get me a lawsuit or get me in trouble right. or anything like that, right. I don't care.
0: Right. What's the can interest? we back up? Guys, can we back up? I, I have got, I've got this burning question for the governor, and it's back to weed. And your, it, your health right now uh, I'm wondering how you're doing with pain and stuff from your wrestling career, and have you ever tried CBD or, or or weed or anything for that pain?
3: Well, I've 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 been involved in experimental medicine for a long time. Yeah. Uh, do I have pain today? Not not consistent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had my hip replaced. Yeah. You know, I had that. I, I had the new technique at the time in '08 called. Uh, hi, uh, uh, um, hip resurfacing. Okay. They don't actually cut your femur bone. They, they clean up your ball and socket, cover it with carbon titanium steel, and put Ooh. you back together.
0: Oh, that right. sounds painful. No, it's
3: great. You yeah. don't have a cut femur bone. Huh. You know, and I, I got that through a friend in Mexico who's a triathlete. He said that's what all, happens to all the triathletes. They get this uh, 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 hip resurfacing. But you gotta have to be a candidate for it. I had it done at Mail, Dr. Truesdale, the best in the business. So I've had a hip replacement. I also I, I suffer from something today that uh, I don't know if it's ever, at all related to wrestling, but I have a non-specific neuropathy of the feet, yep. which basically means your feet are numb. Yeah. And oh. when they tell you non-specific neuropathy, that was Mayo too. That means your feet are numb, and we don't know why. Okay.
5: <laughs> but that yeah. just means, though, that Joe might get a pretty good deal on that manual transmission Porsche. huh? Yeah, You can't even
3: push the clutch it's in. It's difficult to drive it. But anyway, here's the deal <laughs> with that. I have a hard time with my balance now.
5: I can identify.
3: Because people, people don't realize how much you need to feel your feet yeah. until yeah. you lose it. Right. And, like, I've had to quit surfing. Oh, boy. Because I can't balance on the board no more right you know i can't have that feel which you need to have you know otherwise you're going to take a lot of tumbles at the wrong time right what year are those porsches (laughs) huh
1: what year are those cars (laughs) oh here we go
3: well i got the, the, the big one i got the one that uh is it's a lapis blue metallic yeah uh it's a 2003 yeah uh 911, by turbo
5: Right. Was that another MSNBC
3: <laughs> Uh That was pre-MSNBC. Okay. All right. Uh, Bi-turbo, by, by uh, I think 450 or 500 horsepower, whatever it is, six-speed. Mm-hmm. And the the great thing about this car, I got all the wood on the inside, oh, on yeah. the steering wheel, wood, everything.
4: Yeah.
3: Uh, the great thing about it is I don't think it has 23,000 on it. Oh, wow. boy. It's 17 years old and has only 22,000 miles.
4: Wow.
0: What's it's the other one? have never
3: seen a snowflake. Yeah. And uh, right now it's in my basement of my garage here up on the things. to right. keep the tires oh. round. Right. <laughs>
1: What's the other one?
3: The other one is it, it is the first Boxster S in the state of Minnesota. Oh, boy. Uh, that's a zero-zero. And it, it was the first. They came out with the Boxster, and then they beefed it up with the Boxster S. I got the first Boxster S ever delivered here in 00. zero. Uh, it's uh, uh, Arena Red yep. with a, a, that uh, kind of beige interior-like yep. convertible. Yep. And uh, that's my more car. I drive more, but that's a 00, zero 20 years old. And it's only got, what, 65,000 on it.
1: Did you ever have to replace the intermediate shaft bearing? Nope. Well,
3: I've heard about that, but yeah. I haven't had
1: to. I heard about it the hard way because I sold my Boxster to a great young guy and two weeks later, the damn thing failed on him.
3: Oh, really? Yeah. He no, le- I've, heard, I've heard about him. I've yeah. heard about it. Yeah. But I haven't. Mine's only got sixty-five, and the guys. I take it to a great place up here in White Bear.
1: Yeah, Jesse, mine had twenty-seven thousand, and it went.
5: Wow. Yeah. Well, we don't need to. No. We don't need to hold you uh, with car talk. No, here. but what, what did you do with the one you had in ninety-seven? No, my ninety-one. Ninety. Yeah. What that was that? Would have been my Baltic Blue one. Yeah. Okay. Sold it. Of, Okay, yeah. got gotcha. you.
3: Yeah, no, I, I just sold it. I seen it one day.
5: Yeah. All right, but now let's get Somebody back. Locally bought it, and it was up at the Porsche place that I take mine to. Okay. Uh, we've got one more weed question, and it comes from Hemp John. Come on the air, Johnny. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> Remember Hemp John? Vaguely. He was the uh, he was the John Bernbach. He was always trying to get you on the air with the uh, the hemp uh, legalization, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. And he okay. was a. A good fan of the show, way back when. Okay. Jesse, have we given you enough time? You've been
1: very great.
3: Well, you know, whatever, but uh, you know, it's like uh, actually, I enjoyed coming on today because with the pandemic, how it is. Yeah. God, you don't talk to nobody.
1: Right. And plus, I'm not the media, so you know, you've got that figured out.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh
0: yeah.
3: No, but it's, it it is that way. It it you don't talk to anybody, so when you get an opportunity to. You, you kind of really enjoy it when it happens, because it is, it's like, we're, it's like we're living under house arrest
1: right, now. Right,
3: right. You know, where you got to sit in your home and, you know, check in and out and all that, but it, we got to do it. And, right. And I don't know how to plead with people. These people that think they're American heroes running around with their flags and no masks and all that, uh, they need to wake up.
4: Mm-hmm. Hey. You know
3: and understand that uh, this this pandemic doesn't know countries it when do you when do
1: you go to mexico when do you go to mexico or are I you going think,
3: i don't think i can
4: okay right.
3: not this year because uh uh we just talked to our caretaker down there and he suggested we stay home really yeah because he said that they're batting down down there and And, uh, you know, I I imagine my health care here might be a little better if I do get it than being down in the end of the Baja. Right. Although, I I will say this, at least Mexico gives you credit for being an adult. Mm Mm-hmm. No, when it comes to, because you can buy most drugs right over the counter down there.
5: Well, I, I did not <laughs> know right, It's that. one of the benefits,
3: huh? One <laughs> of the, the perks of living in the Baja. No, no, and I'm not talking about pot and things like that. I'm talking about your regular pharmaceutical drug. Oh, I see, okay,
4: okay. okay. I see. How are it's the prices? Here, you
3: got to run to the doctor to get.
0: Yeah, Right. How, there, how are the prices? you
3: like an adult. You yeah. can walk in and buy the stuff. Yeah.
0: You is know? it expensive? Is it marked up, or is it a, a good price?
3: Well, I, I don't know. Just here you need prescriptions for everything you gotta right. go to the doctor and you can like like i'm on blood thinners right right i can't get more than 30 at a time
0: right oh god now, don't get me started drink.
4: oh he buys
3: blood thinners to get high
4: yes Nobody. no no
3: there's no market for them. and when i go to mexico i'm in a dilemma because i yeah. go there for 90 days and they'll only give me a 30-day supply yeah and i go what do i do now buy them off the streets down there you know, do I get, because I'm on the ship, uh, what is it now? I forget, what's the name of the stuff? I'm, no, no. I'm not on either of them. I left that.
0: Acumenin? <laughs> Acumenin?
3: No, 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 no. I
1: left
3: I'm Palmer, the golfer, advertised it.
1: Oh, okay. I don't know.
5: Zantac? No.
3: no. You know, but it's another form of Zeralto.
5: Zeralto. Oh, yeah. I'm, ah, I'm right. on
3: Zeralto now. They'll only give you 30 days of it.
4: Yeah. And, yeah. and
3: I say to them, but I'm leaving for 90. Yeah, that's so right. What am I supposed to do? Not take it for 60? <laughs> I think And, and, and you're what? an adult and you figure, can't they give you a four month supply? You, you think mean, so. I'm going to overdose blood thinners.
5: This would be a great endorsement for you. I can hear it now. Doodle, 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 zarotto. doodle, 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 <laughs> Zerato. Doodle, 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 Zerato. <laughs> down hysterical.
0: In um, but, but, but,
5: know, And. I'll tell you what else is great
3: about Mexico, Joe. Yeah. And I'm considering moving. I if if Terry would do it, I'd move to Mexico permanently. Yep. The taxes.
1: Yeah, I can imagine.
3: Oh no, their whole system. Yeah. We always knock Mexico for being stupid and corrupt and all this. Are you kidding me? Do you know how their tax system works? I don't. Oh, you'll know now. Uh, your taxes are due property tax. You're at home, right Joe? Right. Okay. Imagine if you lived under this, your property taxes are due in March. Okay. If you agree like I do to go down on January 28th, right. Which means February's only 28 days. Right. If you go down like I do on January 28th and pay your property taxes, yeah. Mexico knocks off 20%.
4: Oh boy. If That's you nice. do it
3: in February, they knock off 10%.
4: Oh, boy. If you do oh. it in
3: March, it's the normal price, and then, of course, April, the fines start. Oh, my. But if you pay early, now, here's my question. I do it the end of January, so in 30 days, I get 20% on my money. Tell me an investment that would do that.
5: I can't come up with Once one. again, I give you... King Midas. <laughs> no, in 30 days, <laughs> yeah. I get 20, and now here's the, it don't end there, here's the best part.
3: I actually was contemplating in, of going after dual citizenship, right. Mexican and U.S., because if you're a Mexican citizen, on the day you turn 65, your property taxes, whether you own a palatial mansion or a shack, get cut in half. Wow. You
1: got to talk Terry into the right thing here. No, they
3: get cut in half because the Mexicans understand that you work your whole life for your home and when you get 65, your income, it becomes harder to earn income. And and they understand that, and they don't want you thrown out of your home. Right. So they cut your. T- imagine how many old people up here lose their houses because they're on fixed income and they keep raising taxes on them.
4: It's that's
1: a terrible problem. We talk about it all the time so on got, yet in
3: Mexico, they cut your you cut your property taxes in half. Yeah. When you turn sixty-five, but they're the dummies, right? Yeah. Now here's my predicament. I was going to get dual citizenship, right? You know what stopped me? Huh. <laughs> RT. No.
5: Putin said, "No what, way."
3: What stopped me was part of the things you got to do to get Mexican citizenship. Yeah, you got to be able to sing their anthem.
4: <laughs> oh. Christ, oh, I can't
3: even sing hard <laughs>
5: <laughs> I, knew, I knew I was dead meat at that point. Yeah. There's no way I'm learning this anthem. Oh, just ripped word. up the paperwork and threw it away,
3: huh? <laughs> Well, it all goes back to that great joke you heard about the uh illegal immigrant that was up here. No. Yeah, he was up here and he went to the ball game and he said, "I don't know why everyone thinks that uh, the United States is so hostile to us illegal immigrants." He said, "When I went to the ball game, they all stood up at the start and asked if I could see." <laughs>
2: Hold on, hold on, he, he gets one of these. The crowd
3: stood up and said, Jose, can you see? Yeah. Boom.
5: <laughs> what was the best thing about being the governor? What was the biggest perk?
3: Uh, biggest perk, I would say, is the international travel. Yeah. Mm. Because I got to go to places and be treated very exceptionally well. Uh, you know, I went to China, and I'll never forget getting an audience and sitting down for one hour with Fidel Castro. Oh, boy.
0: Oh, and, that had to be fascinating.
3: Oh, I'll tell you quickly. Uh, Castro and I became friends.
0: You really? <laughs> we were cozying up
3: to Castro.
0: First I of never all, would have guessed.
3: First of all, he told me I had to come back to Cuba and next time bring my wife and family, mm-hmm. and he would take care of me. I never did, and I regret it today that mm-hmm. I didn't. I imagine he would have put me up pretty good on the beach. Yeah, and, yeah probably. You know, and second of all, uh, Castro was, I got the chance to sit with him for an hour, and with 20 minutes to go, I, looked, I glanced down at my watch, and he caught me. Uh-oh. And he looked at me and said, I'm sorry, am I keeping you from something? Oh, boy. Oh, wow. And I thought, okay, be honest. I said, no, sir. But I said, you've only given me one hour, and I have only 20 minutes left. And I said, I I would hope I could ask you some personal questions. Castro looked at me and said, ask me anything you want. So I said, well, I said I was about 12 or 13 years old when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. And I said, I've been studying that assassination for virtually my entire adult life. And I said, there's many scenarios that you figure very prominently in. I said, I would just like to hear your take on the day President John Kennedy was murdered. Oh, my God, I couldn't shut him up.
4: Really? The
3: first thing he told me was it was an inside job. Mm -hmm. Second thing, he said, Oswald couldn't make the shots. You know that as well as I. Right, That's right. what he said to me. Third, he said, a lot of people like to put the blame on me. He looked me right in the eye. He said, do I look suicidal to you? I said, no, sir. He said, well, I'm not. And he said, I love my country too much. Mm-hmm. If I would have killed Kennedy, Cuba would have been wiped off the face of the earth.
4: Right. Yeah, That's a good point. He
3: said, I would never put my country in that position ever. He said it was an inside job, and then he told me, he said he believed that Kennedy was on the verge of changing his policy to Cuba. Mm-hmm. Because he said, at that moment, a reporter Kennedy had sent to me named Jean Daniel was setting up a clandestine meeting between Castro and Cuba. Mm-hmm. Or Castro and JFK. <laughs> right. And when word came in that Kennedy had been killed in Dallas. And I got—I learned this later by looking up Gene Daniel, the reporter. When Kennedy was announced he was killed in Dallas, Daniel said, Castro immediately looked, dropped his head and stared at the floor and was silent for about two minutes. When he lifted his head up, he looked and said quietly, this is bad. This is very bad. Mm-hmm. And so, Having an audience for one hour with Fidel Castro, and then it even went on from there. When I announced I was not going to seek reelection,
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh, one day I was going home. I wanted to go back to out to my house, and Bosak, or my chief of staff, said, "No, you got to go to the governor's residence." I said, "What for? It's Friday, you know. I wanna, I wanna go want go on Friday, <laughs> you know." And he sa- and he kind of looked around and whispered, "Cuba." Yeah. I said, oh, okay. So I went to the governor's residence. And I'm there. In comes the Swiss embassy car. Because, you know, Cuba can't have no relationship here right? back then. Guy from the Swiss embassy, I bring him in, bring him in the library, sits down. And he said, well, you know I'm here on behalf of Cuba. I said, yes, sir, I know that. He said, I have a message for you from Cuba. And I said, okay, what is it? He said, the message is this. Cuba understands that you're not seeking re-election, but Cuba also wants you to understand that a friend of Cuba will always be a friend of Cuba.
0: That's pretty cool. In other
3: words, even though I was giving up my power, Fidel, because when he said Cuba, that's another word for Fidel. Right, yeah. He said Fidel's sending you the message, you're still my friend. Wow. But he he was a... an office or not. He was a murdering dictator. He he was not any. He was better than Batista.
4: Yeah. Okay. Because,
3: because here's your argument, Joe. I imagine there's a lot of murdering dictators when you got to take over a country. It's the nature of the business. Yeah. Second of all, Castro could have never won if the people weren't behind him. Yeah. There's no way he lands with those hundred guys on the one coast and survives. Right. He had the people with him, so that means Batista was way worse than him. And I argue that with my Cuban friend Rick Sanchez at RT all the time. Yeah.
1: And I'm going to def- Rick- I'm going to I'm going to defer to you cuz you obviously have more experience there than I do for Pete's sake.
5: So, when they when the Swiss army or the Swiss uh, car came up and he got out, you knew it was somebody important. Do you remember what happened when I came to visit you with my kids (laughs) that one day when you were down in the basement? Do you remember what movie you were watching? No. Beverly Hills Cop. I? Yeah, it was down with that ugly yellow furniture <laughs> in the basement. Yeah. And you were eating a deliciously prepared, it was a, a cherry tart. So that's what I was hinting at when I was asking, what's the biggest perk about being a governor? It's so you got some guy cooking for you all the time.
3: Oh, that's good, but that's bad, too, though, because I gained a lot of weight.
5: Yeah. Ah, okay.
3: I'll remember that and, when I run. And, and and plus the other bad thing, you do nothing but go to lunches. Yeah. So you're pounding in all this food. And you don't get enough time to exercise. That's the great thing about the pandemic for me right now. Oh, man, I'm in the best shape I've been in in 10 years. Really? You're and working I out. Saw huh?
0: a, I saw a picture of you in August, and you look fantastic.
3: Well, I, I, this morning, before I did this show, I went downstairs and did 50 sets of weights, 750 repetitions.
5: Any burpees?
3: No, this is weights. Oh. <laughs> and all in two hours. And uh, then I have an hour rest and then come on with you guys. But I work, and tomorrow I'll do five miles on the elliptic machine.
2: Hold on wow. one more thing, Governor. Uh, we've heard half the story from Rookie, but Rookie tried to tell the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger story, I believe, uh, promoting the fact that you were going to be on the show. You
5: Remember your roast? Remember what now? Do, do you remember your roast at the prom center? I don't know. I when, don't remember. When it. I came out and I had all the, uh, I had the uh, the tights on. I had the big foam okay, arms. I don't remember it, Rook. Sorry. Oh, yeah. well, it was. I did a perfect Im- Im- imitation. Rookie, you do so many stupid things. It's hard to
3: recall them.
1: It really is. It Really is that the
5: truth? Well enough. Oh, it we're is. saving that as a
0: liner
1: yeah, well sure. Enough
0: alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true.
1: <laughs> Jesse, thank you very much, and I hope we can do it again.
3: Absolutely, yeah. uh, Joe. I wish you well. Wish your family well. Uh, stay safe, please, and please tell people as much as you can to wear the masks. We will. My God, let's get through this thing and get back to normal life in Minnesota.
1: All right, I agree. Say hello to your family. I get-
3: sure will. All right, you guys, take care. Thank Give you you the First very much. Lady
2: a big hug for me. Thank All you right, very much. Goodbye. See thank you, bro. Thank you. Holy cow. Wasn't that phenomenal? What, what an honor. God, that was
0: fun. <laughs> I've still got a whole page of questions I, I kept, wanted you were to writing notes as this was going on. I do I do well, he, I have he, a he, whole bunch of things I want to talk to him about. He's amazing. Uh, we're on wait, the wait, air. Well, yeah, shut him up. You know okay, what I guess I, you I'll know I'll what cut what, that out. So, you know what I wanted to do is I wanted to get you and and the governor uh in a uh in a cage match about the electoral college. Yeah. Because he doesn't like he, he it and you do and I just want to bring him back. I want to have him on again. Yeah, well, fantastic. Gonna, and he's clearly looking cut for stuff a, to do. Right. Cut him a
1: check.
5: I'm he not needs, cutting him a know. check.
2: He'll come back yeah. for a podcast sticker. The media. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! You know what that makes me want to do? What? Fry up a meatloaf. From where? Hey, oh, I tell you what. Uh, I did what you told me to over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I got the for porchetta out. Yep, I put it in the crock pot frozen. I didn't even thought. Oh, it. wow, okay. I put it in frozen yesterday morning at about 745 yep. by 6 o'clock. It was. Falling apart. It was unbelievable. What would you
5: put in with it? Nothing. Hey, hey,
2: hey. Absolutely hey, nothing. Jesse, you're doing it all right.
1: Jesse lives out near Grunhofer's. Yeah, oh, It would right. be a
2: very short run for him to get up to Grunhofer's.
1: Maybe that's where I'll get their Thanksgiving turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, free range fresh turkeys. two ninety nine a pound. You can even call ahead to Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo. 651-426-2800. But don't kid yourself. You still have to go to the store. When you do, you will succumb to the temptations of meter entertainment Ah. meatloaf brats tomahawk steaks uh philly patties rookie burgers thick cut bacon double smoked ham you name it and right now free range fresh turkeys it'll be the best turkey you've ever had 2.99 a pound this is Grunhoffer's old-fashioned meat it's on highway 61 where else right at the north end of hugo
5: He's so close to Governor Ventura that Governor Ventura makes him call him Governor. It's Joe (laughs) Sushery. And then, and then I ended up calling him Jesse the
0: whole
2: show. Yeah, called yes. Yes. him, Andy. He called me Governor. <laughs> then I called him Jesse the whole show. Kenny, who Moon. are you calling?
0: <laughs> I'm calling Moon Motorsports. Ooh. They're the family-owned palatial motorsports shop up in Monticello. They've been doing it for 50 years with a full shop, parts department, and apparel division all in the house. And the largest selection of ATVs, side-by-side sleds and, and bikes in the region. You can see them all at moonmotorsports.com. Speaking of motorcycles, Honda. BMW, Triumph, Yamaha, KTM, Can-Am, and Ducati. prices always better right now in the fall and winter. That means it's time to get out there and buy a new bike. Many manufacturers are offering excellent savings right now, some with no payments until 2021. And Moon Motorsports will give you free uh, storage over the winter for the rest of uh, 2020 if you buy a motorcycle now. But right now, also a great time to save big on Michelin and Dunlop tires. And if you buy in the next couple of weeks, that is before December 1st, Moon Motorsports are going to pick it up and deliver your bike for free. So there's a lot going on right now at Moon. Great bike deals, uh, can't miss offers on Michelin and Dunlops, and snowmobile season on the way you got to exit Monticello, stroll on in, moonmotorsports.com, a good place to start. They've been making dreams a reality up in Monticello for generations. Your dream bike, it's sitting there on the showroom floor waiting for you. Check it out, moonmotorsports.com.
1: When we started the show today, I said this is Garage Logic Podcast number 500. We yeah. thought number 500 was tomorrow, but at 8.23 a.m. today, I got an email from Paul W. House who writes. Just wanted to wish you gentlemen a happy 500th podcast today. Yes, number 500 today, Monday, November 16, 2020. Oh. Perhaps you thought you were doing 4.99 today, but back on May 8th and May 11th, you followed podcast number 380 with another podcast number 380. Oh, no. That makes today 500. Enjoy official garage like garage logic counter, Paul. So we verified this and we can't ignore no. the evidence.
2: Here we go.
5: How do we know we, go. Go. we haven't here, screwed up? Here we go. Right.
1: Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 380, May 8th, 2020. All right.
5: And, no. May 8th, 2020. You right. called that 380.
1: Right. Take two. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 380. The high uh, for this day was 88 degrees, and that occurred in 1900. And, uh, that and was, uh, was May 11th, right, 2020. So uh, there was a glitch in our counting. So today was number uh, 500. Question. By
0: our counting, you mean your Mine. mine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but how do we
5: know that we haven't made a mistake from 380 to 499? Oh, well, good let's point. not let's not worry about. It. No, we're going to just. You know yeah, what? Rook? This is
2: five hundred. Right, okay, yeah, I'll calling. go back through every single okay, since on, day on. one when or, we had the infamous start. Or
5: we can rely on our listeners to do our work for us yeah, under your direction. Under my direction, please somebody verify <laughs> that those numbers are correct. Thanks
2: direct. to Jesse Ventura, that was great. That, that was, was fantastic. Thank you, rookie. Great job setting that up. you yep. uh, I yeah.
5: sat through. If I told you how many hours I had to sit with him on the phone, <laughs> I knew every him. story they told. He loves to
2: talk. It was fantastic.
5: He's lonely during the
2: pandemic. Oh, it's just great. If
5: I heard this when I was on the phone with him one more time, oh, one final note, Rook, then I'll let you go. <laughs> there was about four or five of those.
0: It took every ounce I had not to ask him solely AWA questions. I oh, all I wanted to <laughs> do was talk to him about
5: wrestling. Because you held back, he'll come back. <laughs> <Yeah>. All <laughs> right. Thanks, Gellers. Pod PodMN. You want to hear the prior four ninety nine? You can at PodMN on your smartphone. Or you can go to PodMN.com, and that's on your computer. A special shout-out to Fred, Lonnie a's Hardware, and Garden Stores uh, for all of their
2: uh, what would you say? Years of dedicated uh, partnership. Oh, that's good enough. Well put. I'll just shut up. I'll, <laughs> I'll be over here. Hey, now you can do your impersonation. Do what now? <laughs> I don't know. At the Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level you can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets.
1: Register for free at homedepot.com workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.